grace. If you have your Bibles, I want you to look at the book of Titus for a moment and give you a little bit of a lesson on who is speaking. Titus is an older uh, Christian. He's mature. Uh, he's not quite as immature as Timothy is. Timothy's uh, needing two letters, and one of those letters has six chapters in it. So, uh, And again, we know that he needed a little more instruction um, Timothy did, um, and maybe it was possible that Timothy had a problem with fear. Uh, I know he had a problem with his age because he talks about how don't worry about your age, you know, uh, worry about your character and and uh, make sure that you don't have the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Uh, Paul is writing that to Timothy. But to Titus, it's really interesting because there's not very much in this letter. Uh, there's a lot in the letter, but it's not a very long letter. It's three chapters. Um, and if we were to divide these chapters up, we would see that Titus was instructed to take over the church on the island of Crete. And so I want you to, to ordain elders. And the first thing I want you to focus on is spiritual leadership in chapter 1. Make sure the pastors are, and then there's uh, requirements then for the pastor. Uh, their, their children should not be acting like they're unsaved. Um, or be guilty of that. And so he needs to have his house in order. Uh, gives us an understanding in the first chapter. In the second chapter of Titus, he's dealing with sound doctrine. If you look at the first verse of the second chapter, sound doctrine is even written into that in the first verse. And he's talking about making sure that there's spiritual leadership in a church, but make sure it also has sound doctrine. And so these are the two things that make a church what it should be. And he's again, he's placing the church in order. Uh, these are the things that are important to God, uh, spiritual leadership, and also sound doctrine, or healthy teaching, if you would. Uh, sound doctrine sounds like... Um, Sounds like a little bit more of a theological term, um, but really it's healthy, good, solid, sane teaching from the scriptures is what he's asking for uh, there at the church at Crete. And Titus, the last thing he deals with then is the submissive or the servant heart. And so you can see what I did is put them all into S's. You can have spiritual leadership, sound doctrine, and a servant heart or a submissive spirit among the people, make sure that they are speaking kindly toward the magistrates and so on, and that they're at their workplaces that are submissive to their bosses and so on. And, and that's really the conduct that he's after. Because I think sometimes Christians are looked at and they're judged at the workplace more than anybody else. And so here in verse number three, or chapter number three, he's saying, uh, again, in, in just a few verses in chapter three, he's saying, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates and to ready to every good work. And then he says, don't speak evil of anybody. So to speak evil of no man, the, the, don't be brawlers, fighters, but gentle. He ever, he, he, you know, if, if you're going to be constantly contentious, stay out of the Lord's work. Because there's so many things that need to be done. And if you want to be contentious, go to the bowling alley and get a job. Stay out of the Lord's work, though. Do not be contentious, is what he's saying here. Dealing with the brawler, but gentle. Someone who is going to show all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived. So basically saying that we at one time were deceived. 
every single person who has not been born again has been deceived. The world is full of deception today. doesn't take me very long to listen to the news station to say, now that's not true. That's not right. They're trying to make us think things that are not happening, and they're making us think that they are happening. This is why a truthful person has a really hard time in the White House. If you're going to speak the truth all the time with great wisdom, you're not going to be liked in the White House. It's full of corruption, and uh, power will corrupt automatically. Um, I'm praying that God will change things around, and America will give, get a little bit more of an opportunity to be able to come back somewhat. But look what it says, if you would, uh, in verse number 3 again. For we ourselves also sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy and hate, hateful and hating one another. But then he says, but after... The kindness and love of God, after the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man appeared. Now, if you follow that verse, verse number four, all the way back to chapter number two, and you look at verse number 11, 2.11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared uh, appeared to all men. So there is this appearance of this sweet understanding of the grace of God. And the, the, the kindness and the love of God appeared unto all men. What, what, is, what is that saying to us? Just like the song said, whosoever will. So really, when Jesus Christ died on Calvary and he was crucified, he did that for every soul. Anybody who wants to come to Christ can come to Christ. Don't you be thinking, well, I can't because I'm different or I sin. You don't believe the devil's lies. Come to the foot of Calvary, and he will give you the grace that you need to be able to handle anything. I love uh, what one of our people um, wrote years ago. I want to read it to you. She wrote this as a poem, and she's home watching today. It's called God's Everlasting Arms. It's taken from Deuteronomy 33, verse number 27. The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. What a beautiful thought that we are underneath the everlasting arms of a God in heaven who loves us and wants to care for us and give us what we we need, and that is grace. She went on to write this poem. I want to read it to you. When I looked at my life in God's holy light... And knew in myself there was no hope in sight. At the foot of the cross, I gave up my fight and felt safe in God's everlasting arms. What a difference I found trusting God makes, knowing he's in control and he makes no mistakes, that whatever direction my current path takes, I'm in his everlasting arms. When the trials of today seem so much to bear, And I feel all alone with no one to care. God helps me remember as I kneel in prayer. Underneath are his everlasting arms. And when I come to the end of my life's day and the things of earth start to fade away, with his hands outstretched, I'll hear God say, come, rest in my everlasting arms. What a beautiful thought that God has enough grace for all of us in this room. And to be able to have enough understanding of who God is so that we have known that his grace did appear unto us. 
And as I'm thinking about the book of Titus and, and thinking about grace, I want to touch on one other thing, if you would, back in the book of Titus. And look, look with me, if you would, in the third chapter again. Titus chapter number three. And the Bible speaks really clearly here concerning uh, the Lord Jesus and his strength and his power concerning his grace. Look what it says in verse number 11. For the grace of God hath that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. What the Bible's telling us here that the grace of God teaches us. So the grace of God gives us the power and the ability and the understanding to live pure in a, in a world of corruption. And so because of God's grace, you don't have to live worldly. Because of God's grace, because of the grace of God, you now can live a pure life and you can live the way God wants you to live. I'd rather preach really on the grace of God than any other subject. I, 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 yet I think the same thing when, when, when I preach about the cross, about the blood and other subjects, of course. But grace is, in a, is a New Testament word and it's not understood by many people today. Grace is a word that cannot be understood apart from the experiencing of it. For without grace, man could not be saved from the sinful, wicked life he lives. Without God's grace, we would be all hellbound without God's grace. Without grace, man would never step over the realm of righteousness. And grace is a must word for man to enter into the kingdom of God. We live amidst a society and a culture that does not allow for grace at times. I think it's important for us to remember that the word grace could be also the word favor, that Noah found grace or favor in the eyes of the Lord. And I hope that you have found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I want to point out several aspects of the word grace this morning. And first of all, I want to start with the explanation of God's grace. What does it mean? Many of you have in your Bibles, God's riches at Christ's expense. Some of you wrote that in your Bibles years ago. I remember in the 1960s and the 1970s, pa pastors saying the definition of God's grace is God's righteousness or resources at Christ's expense. I thought it's pretty interesting. But the word grace means to give when it is not deserved. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse number 8, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, he died. Grace does for you what you can't do for yourself. God's grace imputes righteousness upon you. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 3, it says, But the scriptures hath concluded all are under sin, that the promise of faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under faith, which under the faith which should afterwards be revealed. And wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after 
that faith is come. We are no longer under the schoolmaster, for you are now the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Greek nor Jew, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ, in Jesus, and, and, and if you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So when we're talking about grace, we're talking about grace standing alone. We're talking about faith standing alone. With your faith in God's grace, then you can have salvation. If you understand what it's talking about. Grace does not need assistance from man. Grace does not need man's approval. Grace does not have a formula. Grace never requires an applause. Grace is the unmerited favor of God upon the, an undeserving sinner. Grace cannot be merited, else it would be a wage and not grace. Grace can only come from one that has experienced the dilemma and the penalty required. When basically, we're talking about grace coming from the Lord Jesus Christ, but of course, you cannot show grace to anybody if you don't possess grace. A lot of times, we want to be able to give grace to people, and we try the best we can, but those that never give grace, probably it's because they don't have it themselves. Grace is not a reward, it's a gift. Grace is not partial, it is complete. Grace is not segregated to a certain group of people. It is for all men. Grace cannot be inherited, purchased, or earned. It's free. Thus, it must be accepted. Grace cannot be seen, felt, or packaged. Grace does what the law failed to do. In John chapter 1, verse 17, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Grace must be accepted by faith. Ephesians 2, verse number 8, it says, For by grace you are saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Grace does not permit us to live for self, but frees us to live for others. Grace is God doing for man what God required of man when man was incapable of accomplishing anything to begin with. Grace is God accepting man just as he is through what God's Son did for that man on the cross of Calvary. And we sing about it, don't we? I love the song, Grace, Grace, God's Grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. Grace doesn't help out. Grace does all. Grace once bestowed and never withdrawn. Grace does not have probation or parole. Once you've experienced grace, it is permanently in your life, and you will have grace if you just come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why I like Bible churches so much. Because they preach the Bible grace. I don't know about religion, folks. The older I get, the more confused I get about religion. 
because it seems like in order to keep their lights on, they got to have more baptisms because they take money for the baptisms. They take money for the weddings. They take money for the funeral. And if you want a really long funeral, it's really expensive. That's not right. When people are going through great times of their lives to charge them money, who are we to put a number on anything? It's only by God's grace that we can actually get into our cars and come to church today. It's by God's grace that you can read the text. It's by God's grace that you live in this country. It's by God's grace that you can be an American, that you can have the freedom to go going from place to place. I've been in places where you have to have your paperwork looked at before you go across the border. I've watched missionaries give money to the person there so they could get across a little early. I've been in places where they take my luggage and look through everything before I go across and get into that. I know what it's like to be in other countries, and so do some of you. But for some reason, by God's grace, you live in America. Oh, God's amazing grace. You want to know more about God? Study his grace. He's an awesome God. Gives us the grace. Grace illustrated, I think we could take many places to illustrate his grace, but I want you to to know that there was a man that was too weak to walk at one time, but God showed grace to him. The Bible says, and after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches, and these lay a great multitude of impotent folk blind and halt and withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water, and whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatever disease that he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lie, he knew that he had been now a long time in this case. He said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? And the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Interesting to me, when we think about this particular individual for 38 years could not walk because his legs didn't work. And in that one little time with Jesus, he showed grace upon him. Can you imagine the Savior's eyes, whether they were blue or whether they were brown, whether his hair was brown or black, doesn't really matter. His eyes met the man there at the pool. And the man's eyes met Jesus. And he said, wilt thou to be made whole? Of course I do. Then rise, take up your bed, and walk because you don't need it anymore. Go home. What a powerful, powerful thing because God showed grace. Let me tell you something. 
There are a lot of people that can't walk spiritually. You've been, some kind of paralysis has come over you, and I don't know what's going on in your own life, but there was a time in your life when the Holy Spirit was active and you were strong in the Lord, and something came along. Maybe it was a hurt. Maybe it was a a, a disease. I don't know, but then that spiritual paralysis, you couldn't do anything. Look into the eyes of Jesus. Wilt thou to be made whole? Because if you do, he'll make you whole. If you trust him, you say, Lord, fix something that I can't fix. And by his wonderful grace, he'll step, stoop down and touch your heart and make you whole. You say, how do you know that? Because I've experienced it. And the word of God tells me that I can believe. I think it's important for us to understand this man was so helpless in verse number seven of the text in the book of John, chapter 5, he was hopeless, he was heavenless, he was hellbound, and then grace stepped in. Jesus came to him when he was incapable of helping himself. But there are not only those that are maybe perhaps spiritually dead, maybe there are those that think that they're self-sufficient. Maybe there are others that think, well, I'm the good girl or I'm the good boy. I never did anything bad. Talk to my wife. She never smoked a cigarette. She never drank a beer. She never ran around with crowds. But she didn't get saved until she was around 30 years old. Well, someone told her that she got saved, so she thought she was saved until the Spirit of God began to work within her, saying, you still have that hatred there. You still have that bitterness. And, and she'll tell you the story that the Lord spoke to her and showed her that she needed to be born again. Are you self-sufficient? In Luke chapter 19, the Bible tells us, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus who he was, He could not press because he was of little stature. Then he ran before and climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying, that he was gone to be the guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of all my goods I give to the poor. If I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I will restore him fourfold. You see, Jesus met a man, and his grace was able to come into the life of a man who was self-sufficient. And your self-sufficiency is wonderful, perhaps, to you, but it cannot get you to heaven. You can't rely upon your own goodness and your own good work, your security. He was the chief publican. He was wealthy. And then Jesus came in. Zacchaeus did not have to get better first, by the way. Grace was applied immediately. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of all my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone, false accusation, 
I will repay them and restore it fourfold. What a beautiful story of God's grace. Well, there's no talk about God's grace without talking about precious Mary. We must talk about her. The Bible says, and it came to pass afterwards that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. There was a certain woman, woman which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. It wasn't just the evil spirits. It was also infirmities. Infirmities, if you look up the word in the Greek language, it could be talking about something wrong with the mind. It could be that she had a mental disease. It could mean that she was having headaches. I don't know, but the infirmities that she had are mentioned here, and she had evil spirits. And then Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven demons or devils. She must talk about that. She was possessed. She had seven demonic spirits within her. And she had no control over herself. Demonic, total control is what Mary Magdalene had until the grace of God came along. The grace in human form, the Lord Jesus Christ stepped in. Grace personified, there he was, our precious Savior, Jesus Christ. And you can't find grace anyplace else. You can't find love and you can't find peace anyplace else other than Jesus. He is the only way. Because he said to us many times, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And so we must trust Jesus. We must look to him. She sure did. Grace did for her what she couldn't do for herself. And grace will do for you what you can't do for yourself. Look at me just for a moment, dear friend. I remember an evangelist I had, a good friend of mine. His name is Oliver Ariza. Him and I went to high school together. Uh, My senior year, he was a Mexican man from Texas. He lived in Mesquite, and I lived in Garland. We met at a little small grocery store, and I got off out of my car, got onto his bus. His bus because I think it was Open Door Baptist Church there in Mesquite. And uh, ended up at the same college together. He ended up graduating and going on to be an evangelist and never went into the world. He just went right into being an evangelist. He said, come on along, Howell. Let's go this summer. Bill Rice Ranch was also an option. But instead I went home, and it wasn't a bad mistake. But I think about Oliver sometimes and how he used to come here, I'd say, hey, you want to come preach at our church? He said, Brother How, I'd preach in your bathroom if I can preach there. I'd love to come to your church. And he said to me when he's preaching, he'll say, he'll say something like, look up here, give me your God-given eyeballs up here. That's how he preaches. Give me your God-given eyeballs up here. I remember there was a guy that was preaching one time, and he was really going to it, slobbering all over and preaching. He was preaching against booze, and he says, all you are is a bunch of drugs. That's all you are. Then he walked over to this side, and he says, and all you men, you're a bunch of sissies. You can't even run your own house. So this guy raised his hand over here. He says, what do you want? He goes, I think I'm on the wrong side. 
Oh, my, I don't know why I said that. And by the grace of God, he came to you. He came to my grandpa. He came to my great-grandmother. He came to my grandma. He came to my mom. The grace of God has come to you. Think about the grace of God for a moment. Think of Sam Jones with me, if you would, for a moment. Who is Sam Jones? A Methodist evangelist. I remember telling a story about Sam Jones and reading it. They used to have his sermons published in the Sword of the Lord. And I remember reading about this man. Someone called him a barroom derelict. Men in the bar would toss money into the spittoon, and Sam Jones would crawl over into the spittoon with his hand, and he would take out, and everything was connected to that piece of coin, and he would take it into the restroom and clean it just so he could get money for liquor. Wow. That's the way we are. We crawl around thinking that we can allow ourselves to continue on without the grace of God. Grace came to Sam Jones. And it came to his way one day, and he got saved. And he led over 500,000 people to Christ. Sam Jones is an example of the grace of God. You, my friend, are an example of the grace of the Almighty God. His grace came to even the worst of worse. The same grace came my way in 1968, and he lifted me up out of the miry clay and planted my feet on solid ground. Someone wrote, not to the strong in the battle, not to the swift in race, Yet to the true and to the faithful, victory is promised only through grace. Billy Sunday is another example of grace, a major league baseball player, one of the swiftest runners of all time. But he was given to booze, and one evening he was sitting in Chicago on the curbside and listening to the Pacific Garden Mission as they played the music. And he walked in. Staggering into the arms of the Lord Jesus Christ that night. Turned his life around and became one of the greatest evangelists of all time. Billy Graham came after Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday was a little different, though, because as soon as Billy Sunday walked into town, the bars closed. Each one... Here today has been saved to this example. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. I was blind, but now I see. The exclusion of God's grace. Grace excludes Satan from the ownership of a believer. Did you know that it's by grace you've been taken? shelf and you're in the arms of God forever and ever and ever Romans chapter 5 verse number 1 says therefore being justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ 
and by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of glory. And God took you into his arms of grace. He excluded Satan forever. Grace excludes any other way of salvation. Because the Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so it's not grace and works together. It is by grace alone, not by works of righteousness. Every single good deed and every single righteous thing that you've ever done is like a filthy rag to the Lord. Someone said years ago that people would lay a little bowl of water out for the people that had leprosy and they would wipe their wounds and then they would leave the cloth lay there and after a while it just kind of shriveled up and stunk and your righteousness is like that filthy rag before the Lord. Had there been any other way of salvation of man's sinful soul, God would have taken it. And therefore, he will not permit any other method to, add a, to overshadow his son's payment for sin. There is a magnetism about the cross behind me. I believe it's lit up. But if you were to drive someplace, you would actually see alongside of the road, maybe perhaps flowers, but someone would place a cross there. Maybe somebody's wearing a necklace and you see it's a cross necklace. Maybe somebody on Fox News would wear one, CNN wouldn't. But maybe you're watching somebody on TV and being actually interviewed and they have a cross around their neck and you, your eyes go to it. You see, there's a, there's a magnetism to that. There's something about the cross. I love it when I see a steeple so high and then a cross upon it. Because the Bible talks about how we ought to lift him up and he'll draw all men unto him. The text gives us so much to understand. Grace excludes sin. Grace pronounces me righteous. Not by the works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration, of the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on, his, on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. The last thing I want you to think about is the application of God's grace. There are some here that never had the grace of God applied to their heart. Number one, you must experience the grace of God in order to inherit eternal life. The Bible says in Acts 15.11, But we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. 
Romans 3.24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Every person must experience grace personally. Grace in the life of another is not good enough. You must have your own personal grace. Grace in your husband's life your wife's life, your dad's life, your mom's life. It won't help you one bit. You must experience it on your own. By God's grace. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright, shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. God's amazing grace can make you whole and pure today. And there are many Many in this city, to be honest with you, that are begging for someone to come and tell them about the grace of God. I think it's the great way to start a, start a conversation. Have you heard of the love of God? Have you heard of the grace of God? You can't go up to someone today and say, I'm Catholic, I'm Lutheran, I'm Baptist, I'm Methodist, or whatever, and shake their hand because, you know, everyone out there today thinks all religions are the same. But you, dear friends, you know differently because you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I got to tell you a story and I'll be all done. There was a man that just got out of jail. He was sitting in the back of a garage where they were holding services. And the pastor was talking about salvation. He's talking about how that if you don't, become a born-again believer because of your sin, you'll spend eternity in hell. I don't know exactly what happened, but I know that this particular individual, as soon as the invitation was given, he actually picked up steel chairs and moved them so that he could get to the front. He came crawling and bawling to the preacher, show me how to be born again. And he got saved. Somebody probably invited him. He just got out of prison and came to that particular scene or whatever. And I don't know. My wife maybe knows more about it. But every single year he comes back for deer hunting. So I miss him because I'm always down in the river bottoms. But he goes to Utica, Bible Baptist Church of Utica. They let him preach. And I think he's still there, to be honest with you. I think he still comes every single year. But let me tell you something. He's been a bus director all of these years. Ever since he got saved, he went to Washington. I think it was Walla Walla, Washington. Not sure. But he was a bus director. And he stayed at that church and was a bus director all the Oh, man, many people wouldn't accept him in the pulpit, but perhaps they wouldn't accept him as an evangelist. I don't know. But you know what? His smiling face was there every single Sunday, year after year after year, bringing little ones into Sunday school. What a blessing to experience the grace of God. And as we think about God and his mercy and his grace and his truth and his love, this particular month, let's remember the grace of God that he has bestowed upon us, that we then have his righteousness clothed on us. He has declared us righteous. We haven't made ourselves righteous. 
We have been declared righteous because of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. We owe it all to him. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, how will I... I know who Jesus is, but I've never opened the door to my heart and let him in. I was one of the good girls, or I was one of the good boys, and I don't think I need Jesus, but after the message today, I really believe I need to open up my heart and receive Jesus Christ. If there's someone like that today, I want to pray for you. I won't mention your name or come to you, but I know this, I'll pray for you that his spirit will touch your heart and he'll draw you to himself. Would you be honest enough to say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not sure I'm going to heaven, but I'd like to be sure. Is there anyone like that? Just lift up your hand and put it back down again. No one looking around this morning. Is that you? I need Jesus in my life. Anyone? Then Christian, this message was for you. Oh, the grace of God. When was the last time you thanked God for his grace? By the way, he is constantly forgiving you, constantly strengthening you by his grace. He sets you apart by his grace so that you could live pure and live godly in this present world. And so maybe there's something you need to come forward for. Maybe it's baptism. Maybe it's for church membership. Maybe it's just to come and pray. If his spirit is working in you, why don't you come? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Would you stand to your feet? No one looking around. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in the invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.